Welcome back to Love Under Lockdown, a podcast that follows four couples as they navigate living together and apart from the start of LA's stay-at-home order. I'm Pallavi Kutamasu. This is week two. Last week, in our first episode, we met Whitney and Sari, a brand new couple who decided to isolate together as a way to get to know each other better. They had no idea how long it would last, nor that Whitney was about to get very, very sick. We also met Brandy and Mary, a couple who had just decided to end their relationship when the coronavirus forced them back into each other's lives. We're going to check back in with both couples. But first, we want to introduce you to Jess and Fred. They've been together for eight years. They share a home and a child. But unlike our other two couples, for them, safer at home means living apart. Mommy's gonna leave to be a hero. We hate coronavirus, we hate it. (laughs) Hello, my name is Fred, I'm 37 years old and I'm an executive producer and talent manager. I'm confined with um, 19th month Fred the fourth, my child, who is pushing uh, my patients in a beautiful way. Hi, I'm Jess. I'm 39 years old and I'm an ER physician. I'm confined here with one of my coworkers, Sophie, and her basset hound, Lily. In the ER, we are exposed to higher viral loads. So it's the first time in my life I've had to kind of confront my own mortality going to work, which has been very scary. And then to compound that with being away from my family has been pretty tough. She was actually supposed to go to the East Coast for some conference nerd doctor thing. And she was all excited. And then the story started rolling in that Friday of more coronavirus cases being diagnosed in the U.S. And all the news channels were carrying all the kind of panic media. I'm a maniac and I take this stuff too seriously. And I was just reading the news and I was like, please don't go to New York. And that was three weeks before people really started hearing about this. And so he got home from work and he was like, if you still want to go, you can go. But I want you to like self-isolate away from me and the baby for at least 10 to 14 days after you come back. And so at that point, I was like, you know, I had never been away from the kid for more than I think two days or something like that. So I was like, that's crazy. I canceled the trip. It did hurt me to admit that he was right because the conference that everybody else went to, five people ended up COVID positive at that conference. When I got into medicine, I never really thought I'd be in the situation where I'd have to think about how it impacted the people around me and really thinking about my personal health and well-being. I was talking to some people who have worked with me for the past couple of years, and we all were here when Ebola was going to be potentially a big thing in the States. And I remember being a little bit worried about it, but never to the level that I am with coronavirus today. We initially talked about me maybe just quarantining at home in the back bedroom and that I could like take all my clothes off, 
straight from work, hop directly into the shower and try to do things that way for a little while. It's hard because you can't explain to a 19-month-old why they can't see you or be with you. I think it's just going to be too hard for him to understand that I'm behind the door and he can't see me. We made a family decision and I was planning on staying in a hotel or something until my friend was generous enough to host me at her house. I've never been away from the kid for five days before and I'm so nervous. And now I'm like, Jesus, we're a month deep. The story of how we met. So if you go with the Fred story, he likes to tell everyone that he took us Cialis, which was like Viagra, and came to the ER with a sustained erection. And I was just so impressed by it that I gave him my phone number in the ER. And the saddest part of all of this is only two of my friends have really called us out on it. The rest of them are like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, do you really think that that is something that I would ever do? It's very telling that uh, a lot of her coworkers and her own program director was like, okay, you're living on the wild side. But the real story is I was a week out or two weeks out from graduating from my emergency medicine residency at LA County, USC. And I was looking for a place to have our graduation party. And so I came straight from work. Fred likes to say I looked a little bit homeless because I was wearing my scrubs and my hair up in like a big messy bun. Yes, we did meet at the bar. I did think she was homeless, but you have to put some context to it because it's downtown LA. There's something about her class and them always wanting to wear like the most beat up scrubs they can find because they think it's comfortable or something. Obviously at the bar, I found out she wasn't. So we chatted, I gave him my number, and then we kind of parted ways. And the next morning he texted me and so I said, well, if you're in town, you should come to the party. It was actually my friends that forced me to go at the time of the graduation party, it always lands the same weekend of the BET Awards. I always get these amazing tickets. All my friends always want to come with me. So as we are headed out, Jess texts and we're all in the car. And I'm like, yeah, you know, someone just texts me, you know, to go to some party. This is this doctor. And it's like when you're at a party and someone hits the DJ booth or something, the record just stops. You know, everybody just stopped and was like, wait, what? You're telling me there's a whole bunch of drunk doctors partying right now. And we're going where? They were like, where are you turning? Where is this party at? And I allegedly looked less homeless than our first visit. Uh, we went from there. Jess and Fred dated, had a baby, got engaged. They had it all figured out. But then... The coronavirus has turned my world upside down. This is my first child. I haven't had children around my life for, you know, some time now. I mean, what grown man is just hanging out, you know, with babies? Jess kind of does all the baby stuff, you know, nurses him, you know, and all that stuff. I work maybe three to four days a week normally, so I am home a lot with the baby. By the time Fred gets home from work at 6 or 6.30, I'm like, it's your turn. And so to realize that he's been on 24-hour day dad duty for now a month. It's like daddy day camp and, you know, it takes real patience. Fred has kind of gotten the first pieces of like the terrible twos. 
or the preview of the terrible twos that are coming. Preview? It's going down over here. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it is like the WWF right now. Like, <laughs> I joke that like two friends entered quarantine and only one may make it out alive at the end of all of this. And my money's on the baby, in all honesty. There's not enough baby shark. There is not enough Peppa the Pig that can save me because he really wants my attention at this time like he's actually learning new words like at a rapid rate like when Jess left to now the child is a different like the same child but his development process is leaps and bounds like she's gonna come back and he probably will pick her up in his car because he'll be driving by then he put two words together not too long ago he's recognizing letters we're getting close to potty train like it's insane I unfortunately screwed up actually yesterday because Jess was dropping off the food and all the goodies and stuff like that. And so when she went to go drop it off, I just, you know, I I don't know where my head was at. And I was like, I I know she wants to see the baby. So like I put the baby to the window, but he saw her. Then it was just like, where's, you know, mom and, you know, putting her head out and he will point and be like, you know, he would just, he knew she was around. Every morning he wakes up and says, mama. And when he wakes up in the morning, he goes, mama, mama, mama. And then I come in the room and I say, Dada's here. And then he says, go. And he'll point because he wants to like go see mama. I try to let him understand that uh, his mom is, you know, doing God's work. One of the other hospitals I work at had some coronavirus tents set up outside, so I picked up extra shifts there because I figured if I couldn't be with my family, at least we could make some additional money in this whole process. I've been trying to look at the bright sides of all these things. Like, yes, it sucks to be away from my family. Um, Try not to cry. Um, I heard it in her voice. I was like, here it comes. Here it comes. I do get to sleep in. like past 8.30 some days, which is a total win for me. (laughs) Um, And I told Fred that when I do get back, he can take like two, three days and just like (laughs) do whatever he wants. Like I'll be on 100% baby duty and he can sleep till 2 p.m. if he wants to. While Jess and Fred struggle with being apart, Whitney and Sari are figuring out how to spend so much time together, especially when one of them is sick. All right, we are recording. I think every time I've done this, I've been sitting out front on the porch. I'm surrounded by plants and nature and like an orange tree and a tangerine tree. and just kind of hear some birds chirping and wind rustling the leaves. Right now, it's just like completely peaceful and quiet. Today is one month to the day of quarantine with Whitney. I have been very zen and just, I've been chilling, considering everything that's happening. I basically was asleep from last Thursday until Sunday afternoon. (laughs) I've been completely clocked out and like just been so asleep 
I don't think I've ever been sick this long. I mean, before this, I was doing hot yoga like four or five times a week. Talk about like breath control and lung capacity. And now, you know, walking to the bathroom is a struggle. Romantically, the mood has not quite been right. It's hard to feel sexy when you're fighting like a global disease. <laughs> You know, we haven't been able to have sex. We're still like a very new couple, very much our honeymoon phase. We just want to rip off each other's clothes all the time. I think he and I are both pretty sexual people as well. The bedroom has always been a place where we really bond. And to have that taken away from us because I've been so sick, I think he understands intellectually, of course, we can't have sex right now, she has coronavirus. It's not that she doesn't want to, but I think that emotionally it can feel like I'm dismissing him or like I don't want to have sex or like I'm not attracted to him. Coming into this, we're told like, it'll last a couple weeks, it'll get gnarly, you'll get over it. And then now it's like day 25, day 30, when it's like, wow, when is this, when is this gonna end? On his birthday, which was, you know, right before I got sick at the very beginning of all of this, and I went to like four different Asian grocery stores to make sure that we had all of the like very specific ingredients to make this like crack slurp Chinese noodle dish with fried shallots and crispy chili garlic oil and Szechuan peppercorn and donjang and all of these other, you know, hand-torn noodles and all of these ingredients. I like put on a full strappy like six piece lingerie set <laughs> from like Fenty, thank you Rihanna, to like cook dinner for us in and strut around and just be cute. I don't know, I think it's one of the things that first like bonded us. I know that might sound silly, but it is. It's like food and sex. We're just like hanging out, making love, making food, drinking wine. God, I miss wine. I want a glass of wine so badly. Everything was good. Little did we know that the next day it was all going to fall apart. As Whitney and Sari try to make space for intimacy, Brandy and Mary are navigating life without it. I'm dating a few people, and it's not really hard to have dates. Tonight she's watching a movie with somebody, um, like kind of a date situation. But she still wants me to sit there and like watch the movie. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? You're occupied. Like, let me go do my own thing. One of the real nice things, one of the strengths of our relationship is that it doesn't simply exist for a romantic purpose. We truly do have a deep love and understanding of each other and friendship for each other. So even if I date someone else or marry someone else, Mary's going to be there. So almost a month went by where I was sitting on the couch in the living room and then sharing that space with Brandy the whole day. So I, I guess I have rediscovered how well we spend time together. Before I had this set up in the second bedroom, I would have to, you know, cover the couch with a sheet and get out my comforter and my pillows and, you know, everything else, just set up like my sleeping space at night. And she started doing that for me while I was getting ready for bed without me knowing about it. So that was really sweet, very thoughtful. I'm very grateful that I'm in quarantine with Mary and there's really no one else that I'd rather be in quarantine with. 
when each other just needs to feel the feelings, all of them fully and thoroughly, we allow each other the space to do that. And there's not another person on the planet, whether it's someone I've dated in the past, someone I'm dating now, or really anyone else that I know will give me that space and afford me the capacity to feel all of my feelings and deal with them in my own time. She's in constant pain. She has been through many surgeries, so I'm giving her massages multiple times a day. She has migraines and um, some neurological issues that I track. I track her symptoms in a calendar. So if she were to get this virus, it would, it would just be one more thing. When we go grocery shopping, it's an ordeal. Mary does all the shopping because of my heightened uh, sensitivity and likelihood of contracting the disease. She takes two pairs of latex gloves. She has an N95 face mask. She chooses two outfits, one to wear while shopping and one to wear once she gets home after she showers. And she puts the one that she's going to wear after she gets home into the bathroom I'll come up and then I'll go bag by bag and I will wipe everything down with a Clorox wipe and then rebag it. I do the final, you know, wipe down or putting things away um, while she goes and showers and scrubs herself down from head to toe in case, you know, somebody had sneezed and she walked through that air and it was residing in her hair or on her clothes. And those clothes immediately go into the washer. I was trying to think of what it would be like to actually go back to work and sort of back to a normal routine where I'm driving into Orange County every day and doing the grocery shopping and doing the, you know, whatever, responsibilities. And I just don't know how I had all that time. <laughs> it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment now to go back. I was informed by my boss that our group is going to be affected by the furloughs and layoffs that are affecting our company and that because I am the latest one hired, I would be the first one affected. Right now, I'm not worried about paying bills. Talk to me in like a month and if this continues, then I might be a little bit concerned. The longer we stay inside, the harder it is to reconcile past, present, and future. As Whitney and Sari build a future together, Whitney has been reflecting on her past. I'm laying in my bed, which is pretty much where I find myself 99% of the time these days, with Nugget curled up on my lap, and I can still smell the fried batter from our dinner lunch. I did make Sari like go get stuff to make these like disgusting <laughs> like tacos. I don't even know if you can call them that. It's tortillas and white rice and rotisserie chicken and applesauce. And I know it sounds so gross, but it's just something that my mom made us when we were little kids, when we were stay home sick. And it was just like, it was all I wanted. So this poor man like grinned and bared it, even though he was like looking at me like I was a psychopath and thought this was like the most disgusting meal ever. He wouldn't even try it, but I promise it's good. <laughs> I don't speak to my mother. I, I haven't really talked to her or spent any real time with her in over a decade. 
and nor do I want to. It's not a relationship I'm looking to fix. It's not one I pine for or mourn. But right now in this time, I'm catching myself like missing my mom and wanting her to scratch my hair or rub my feet. There's something, you know, when you're sick, you just, you want your mom. I have this huge box of photographs from my childhood that was just found by a family member. Huge, huge box that I decided to go through over the last week when I had like little bits of energy and sort of pull out things that I want to keep separate and, and categorize stuff. And that's also been like just dredging up a lot from my childhood, but it's also been really nice with Sarita. You know, he'll never be able to meet my parents and, you know, have that typical thing where they can tell him stories about me when I was little. Just the other day, we went and got tested. Cute couples bonding activity. (laughs) And then we just got our results today. Both came back negative, which wasn't entirely surprising. She's been speaking with her family physician. I've been speaking and having her speak with my family physician. They're both like, clearly you have this, regardless of what the test says. I think it would have been easier to get a positive test so that we could then maybe get another test later and have it be negative and be like, okay, like it's over with. But now it's just kind of like, well, what does this mean? How long am I contagious? Am I contagious? How long is this going to go on? She still has like very full-blown symptoms. It was like a little kind of upsetting in a way where it's like, I know I have this. All the tests are inaccurate. And even if they were accurate, there's no cure. So it's been frustrating to say the least to try to navigate an illness in a world where we have absolutely no information. Despite all the uncertainty, Jess and Fred are sticking to the plan. I would be trying to go to bed and I wouldn't have looked at my phone all day because it was in a plastic bag in my pocket and I'd start reading news stories and I would start getting palpitations and I'd be like, oh my God. And of course, first thought, I'm like, oh my God, is this coronavirus? Am I getting it right now? But then you realize like, this is really anxiety producing. And the more you feed into it and the more you think about like, what the future looks like, like the more you can spiral kind of down a a crazy bad hole. What do you think is worth spiraling? Watching the coronavirus and uh, the administration and their eloquent way of explaining things or Baby Shark in every language, EDM version and a country version all day, every day. So which one do you think... (laughs) makes you spiral. The grass is always greener because like, I would give anything to be home right now. And I'm sure Fred would give anything to be at work right now. I have to mask my feelings. I have to mask my emotions. um, And I just try to take it day by day. Because if I start freaking out, I am the only person, you know, that this kid had, you know, so if I lose it, or something like that, or just break down, or if he just sees a super weak moment. I don't want to put him in fear. It's not about me, it's about him. 
like of course I picked the one job in this world where like I can never like really call out I was trying to think of a situation where they'd be like doctors don't come in today and I can't think of one but just seeing leaders lead in a time of chaos and to know that my partner is one of those leaders you know there's something to that On the next episode of Love Under Lockdown, we'll meet Edwin and Kelsey, two 20-somethings who have a three-year-old with mild autism. They both have big dreams that the pandemic has put on hold. There are also some changes in store for our other couples. Not all of them good. So stay tuned and stay safe. Love Under Lockdown was produced by me, Pallavi Kutamasu. Story editor is Brandon Phibbs. Executive producer is Emmy Norris. Associate producers are Molly O'Keefe and Brendan Galbraith. Audio engineer is Morgan Jaffe. Sound mixer is Tim Dornbush. Original music by Cedric Santens. Love Under Lockdown was based on an idea by Jeanne Boazek. Thank you to the Paradiso team in France, Lorenzo Benedetti, Louis Debussy, and Benoit Deneg. Additional thanks to Michael Norris. And an extra special thanks to the couples who shared their stories with us. Whitney and Sari, Fred and Jess, and Brandy and Mary. I hope you all are staying safe. I actually went to run some errands for the Freds. Usually happens at the end of the week, but they needed some things earlier. It was almost RIP to our dog Waffles because just came by the house to drop off some goodies for the baby. Luckily, I keep cameras on and stuff like that so I can see what's going on in the house. And sure enough, I saw the dog barking. And when the dog ran out the door, he was so happy to see Jessica. You know, he smelled her, so he was freaking out. And I caught him just before he leaped on her because if he would have leaped on her and started licking her and all that stuff like that, Waffles would have been (laughs) uh, not allowed back in the house because I'm just really not playing at all.